Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dear Asian Americans. Joining us on 82, great friend of mine, Howard O oh, is the deputy director of both the AAPI and the LGBTQ plus communities for the Biden for President campaign. With just seven days to go in the election, I am so excited to share my conversation with him to learn about his background of how he grew up here in the San Gabriel Valley and how he got into politics and how a detour in his life really set his path more clear and more forward as he is now doing some really great work on the front lines of the Biden campaign. Really excited to share his story with us. Please make sure that you voted already. If you haven't, please make a voting plan. Um, make sure that you are either voting in person or via any remote opportunities. Um, and make sure that you are doing everything you can to vote as early as possible to get your vote counted. And if you have already voted, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now let's spend our energy and our efforts to make sure that our friends are voting, that our families are voting, and that every single person who is eligible to vote in this country can vote. So super excited to share my conversation with Howard. Um, if you feel inclined to do so, please do share out this episode after you've listened to it to friends uh, who needs to hear Howard's story. And appreciate you as always for being a listener here. Um, really love doing this. Episode 82, can't believe we've been doing this for almost eight months together now. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you haven't yet, like us on Instagram, follow us across all the social channels, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. And if you're listening on Apple, please take 30 seconds right now to head over to the Rate, Review, and Rate tab, uh, rate us, and give, you a, give us a thoughtful review on what you love about the show, or even just on ways that you think we can improve. Really would mean so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go vote. And here now is my conversation with Howard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dear Asian Americans, wherever you are, uh, whenever you're hearing this. Uh, we wish you all the health and safety in the world. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it was aired, um, you know that we're just a week away from the elections. 2020, regardless of when you're hearing this, um, has been an extremely challenging year uh, for so many of us. Um, Health-wise, obviously, um, financially for many, and even more so, um, so many of us have felt frustrated and unsafe just for our own physical well-being, just for our own life. And whether you are a black person in this country or whether you're an Asian American or whether you're a member of the LGBTQ community, we are just in a really challenging time right now where so many of us are feeling, even if we have a place in this country, um, and, and yet we have to have hope. We have to continue on and fighting because the system is supposed to work and the people who are supposed to control the system are us, me and you. Um, and so really, really excited today to bring you this uh, episode that we're actually recording on Monday night. So the day before you're hearing it, um, because I, th I think this is such an important conversation that we need to have right now. And so so excited, um, a little bit nervous, but just really excited uh, to host this conversation with Howard O. Oh. He is the National Deputy Director for the Biden campaign for both the AAPI and the LGBTQ communities. Um, and we're going to learn about his story, how he came into politics, why he's so passionate about what he does and what he stands for, and most importantly, why we should vote, and even more so, why we should vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to really set the, uh, the country back on its uh, the path that we 
know that we can be on. So without further ado, um, hey, Howard, welcome to the show. Hey, Jerry. Thanks so much for having me. How are things? Um, it's been a wild, wild campaign. Um, it's been, um, you've been involved with many campaigns from the state to the federal congressional level. Um, this is the first campaign where generally most things are virtual. Um, it's untraditional in so many different ways. Um, how, how are things and how are you feeling and how are you doing physically and emotionally um, with the week to go? You know, um, today is actually eight days until the election. So eight, as you know, is very lucky in Asian culture. Uh, so I feel very honored and lucky to be able to speak to you tonight about, you know, uh, my story and about how um, this campaign, how I ended up on this campaign, actually. Um, you know, we don't take anything for granted. Um, you know, we are working extremely hard to make sure that um, that we win this thing, because ultimately this campaign is about the soul of our nation. It's about bringing hope and empathy and compassion back into our country. Um, you know, the American dream that our immigrant parents and, you know, that we strive for. Um, so there's a lot of work still need to, still that needs to be done. But ultimately, you know, very proud of being on this campaign because it is one of the most inclusive campaigns I've ever seen. It's my first presidential that I've had the honor of working on. But, you know, our goal is to make sure that everybody has a seat at the table and that as Americans and Asian Americans, that we are part of the story. We've been such a crucial element of what this country is and in making the country um, as great as it is. Um, and to have leadership like Biden and Harris recognize that, um, you know, this is exactly what we need right now. So, yeah, I think when we look at, um, obviously, many of us have extremely strong feelings about uh, representation or I guess more accurately, the lack thereof in the current administration, um, not just in cabinet positions, but also, um, you know, we always see that side by side picture of the White House interns or the congressional interns that they release every year. And you're like, wait a minute, I can count on like one hand the number of non-white folks. And it's not to discount anybody who has that role, but it is why isn't that body representative of the rest of America, right? And I think as Asian Americans, we're in a very interesting, you know, uh, I guess, numerical position where we're just 6% of the country. So, you know, should we, should that mean that we should have, you know, um, uh, 12, I guess, six senators? No, because that's not the way that it works. But, you know, are we even hitting at that number across the board in terms of representation on um, federal government or federal appointees across the board? Um, and obviously, it's a very different because a lot of our growth in the population of Asian Americans is very new or fresher um, as people are continuing to immigrate and get naturalized and be counted as citizens. And so, um, but you're right, th this year has been, for all, all things considered, uh, has been a good year for representation. Uh, we had two Asian Americans running as actual legitimate contenders in their primaries, one of whom is now the vice presidential candidate. So that's really exciting for us to see um, that maybe our daughters, maybe our nieces um, can really, or maybe some of us listening can just genuinely believe that we have a legitimate chance of serving this country in that role. Um, and so I'm really excited to hear your story and, and how you came to be. Um, I know you've got great experience working for um, uh, various Congress people, including Congresswoman Judy Chu, uh, one of the most influential Asian American uh, people in politics across the board. Um, 
but let's start let's roll the clock back a little bit um and then start with your family's personal story how did the o family become uh taiwanese american um who came here first under what circumstances and how did that shape your early childhood memories here in america So I was born in Taipei, Taiwan when I was two years old. Uh, immigrated to the United States um, with my family. My parents are fifth, sixth generation Taiwanese, and they immigrated to America because they wanted me to have the chance of the American dream. Um, my mom, she studied law at the top university in Taiwan, and by moving to America, they sacrificed a lot of their dreams and um, hopes. Uh, they put that all on me. And granted, that's a burden that a lot of us. As immigrant children, we carry, we understand, um, and I think the end of it, we just want to make our parents proud. That's ultimately what I've always wanted to do. Um, and so, you know, same standard childhood upbringing. Um, I, my parents made me take violin lessons, tennis lessons. They did whatever they could to make sure that I had an edge, especially when I applied for colleges, and it worked. I was accepted into the University of California, Irvine, but I. Around senior year, I mean, I always kind of knew um, that I was different, um, and I think because of that, and I knew I was different, I was worried about being accepted. There was a lot of uh, confusion, a lot of anger at the world as to why um, I was this way, um, and I was coming out. And I'm, I'm gay, by the way, <laughs> so I was struggling with being gay and coming out um, at the time when it was um, society just didn't really accept being gay, right? I think that was around. Um, Prop Eight in California, uh, which was reaffirmed marriage between a man and a woman, and you know my mom is really by the book. She follows the law by the T, and so if society tells her it's wrong, she believes it's wrong, and so I knew that, and that was tough. So I I struggled, and you know I got into UCI, and that was a time I was coming out, finding myself, and because of that, I ultimately was finding love in the wrong people. Who you know were also coming out at the same time during, you know, society being hard and and not accepting. So there was a lot of trauma and a lot of the people that I was, you know, navigating through life with and that I was finding ourselves with, and ultimately, you know, that caused um, a lot of pain and um, a lot of struggle. And that pain and ultimately struggle was transferred over to my, over to my parents because because I. Had a hard time accepting myself, and accepting that I was making these wrong decisions, uh, meeting the wrong people. I struggled in school. I struggled at UCI, and ultimately, um, I was academically academically dismissed. It's actually not a story that I tell a lot of people because you know I am where I am today, and it's all about resilience and finding yourself. But you know, think about being the only child, immigrating to America, having parents that are traditional Taiwanese parents, struggling being gay, and then being kicked out of school. Because you fell in love with the wrong person, right? And that—that's tough. So, I think there there was a time period in my early twenties I struggled with that even more, and ultimately I just wanted to numb this pain and guilt um, that I felt I caused my family and myself, and just all these hopes and aspirations that my parents had on me, and knowing they could have had such a wonderful life in Taiwan um, because of their um, pedigree. Um, that I had ruined all that, and it was tough. So there was a lot of my younger twenties was pain and distress and like and trauma. But ultimately, um, you know, in those moments of despair, you find out what you're made of, and by hitting rock bottom, you realize all you can do now is climb. So 
that's that's what I did. I told myself that instead of proving how much of a failure I could be, it was time to prove what a success that I know I could be and that my parents saw in me and that my loved ones saw in me. So because of that, I just started to climb. I um, bartended at this bar in Little Tokyo called Far Bar. Um, I'm not sure if you know about that bar. It's a really popular bar now. I, I bartended there. It was a bar back for a while. And um, and I, I remember even um, this one scene where I was, they would host a lot of Asian American events um, yeah. at the bar. And I remember cleaning up after people and watching this one this one guy where he was clearly the president of an organization talking about you know the work they're doing and i remember thinking in my head wow i really wish i could become him one of these days i really wish i could become him one of these days and um i never forgot that because the the clientele that came to that bar were all um city employees of city of los angeles mm, um sure. and i became friends with a lot of them and they ultimately said hey we're we're looking to hire for in a position in city elections, city clerk, city elections, and you should interview you. Like, you have the great temperament, your personality is wonderful. Uh, I'm not talking about myself in that way, but they they said that, and I said, okay, great. You know, I I should try it. I you know I have nothing to lose, so I interviewed, I got hired, um, and since then I I ended up working for city elections, city clerk for a couple of years. I ended up work for city of Los Angeles city pensions for a year. But ultimately, I knew that I needed to go back to school because if I didn't finish school, there was always a stopgap. I can never achieve more knew what I was capable of. So I did that. I moved to San Diego. Um, I found a program um, at a private university to study professional psychology because I wanted to use the trauma that I went through to really help other people, um, to use the empathy that I, compassion that I knew, you know, the pain that I felt myself and the pain that I could, I just wanted to find ways to heal myself and to heal people around me. So I went to move to San Diego. I um, did really well in school. I was top of my class. I got top grades. I ended up being class president. Um, I even ended up being the convention speaker at my university. And I told my story. And this is a story that I don't really tell because ultimately, you know, your story is your own. And people use your story against you, especially if they knew that I, um, you know, was a college dropout at UCI. And like, you know, like those are just things that people could use against you. But ultimately, these vulnerabilities that I have are strengths. And I realize that now. And, you know, we'll talk about it later. But these are strengths that are valued and highlighted in this administration and in in um, in this future administration and in uh, Biden-Harris campaign. But so, um yeah, I was top of my class. I graduated honors and was commencement speaker. And um, because I remembered that story about me cleaning up after this Asian American organization at the far bar, I wanted to really be involved in civic engagement and really involved in community activism and Asian American um, organizing that I um, started looking for places that I could be helpful in San Diego. So then I got really involved in AAPI civic engagement groups, um, ended up joining their boards, um, ended up working um, with a bunch of my new friends there in San Diego, creating the first San Diego Asian night market. Um, that was a huge hit. And because of my activism work, um, one of my friends was really involved in local politics. She got picked up by uh, Congressman Scott Peters campaign. It was the second time he was running for uh, reelection. 
he was running against a gay Republican. It was a very tough seat because re-elections are always tough, right? It's about building your name ID, uh, building your credibility in the community. Um, and San Diego itself is a very uh, moderate district at the time. It was very purple. With pur with purple, if you don't know what that means, is for the, for the listeners, it's one third Democrat, one third Republican, one third independent. So it could swing either way. So my friend was really involved in the campaign and she said, hey, look, we really need to build out the API vote. Um, would love for you to come help. And because of the work I did in the community, that's my way, that's why my name was pitched forward. And that's why I ended up getting the job. So I worked on Congressman Peters campaign and that was my first congressional campaign and it changed my life. It, I just, I just fell into it. But before I'm really, really excited here, but like your whole story until now, man, like that's wow. Right. Because I, don't know what you went through. I understand the point of parents coming here, right? I understand the point of the burden of a lot of us to fulfill their their dreams or at least make good on their sacrifice, right? And um, although I also believe that for a lot of us who came here without any personal choice as children of immigrants and then to be thrown this burden of we moved here for you, so now make good on it is really unfair. Um, many of us have done okay by any definition. Um, but if there are some older parents listening, uh, don't put that kind of burden on your kids because um, that's not cool. <laughs> but um, for, for you to go through all of that, because um, dropping out of school isn't, it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's, it's a process. And so I, I, you know, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I just want to congratulate you and be happy for you that you moved away from that. And um, the, the thing that I that stood out to me in, in terms of your, your story of, um, you know, humbling yourself and, and getting a service gig, um, not only does it provide so much compassion and empathy and just perspective as uh, you move on through life is a, a simple reminder to all of us. Um, especially relevant in 2020 is to never, ever, ever judge somebody by the current situation that they're in, because in that moment, you don't know two things. And, and one is where they've been to get there. And two is where they're going to go from there. Right. And, and this is not a, because now you have this position on the campaign that you're, you know, any better than any other human being. I know you don't agree with that, but the point is that there's so many instances where we see, um, people just because of their current occupation or their situation in life that they get looked down upon or they don't think that that person has the pedigree or the opportunity to go beyond. Um, you know, another great example that we see is of Congresswoman AOC. Right? What if somebody, you know, so many people crapped on her because she's like, she's a bartender. What does she know? Well, she's more closer from her life experience to the millions of people suffering today than the countless privileged white people who were born into money and never had to work work in honest days in their in their lives and and so um wow uh i i am very very uh impressed and just heartened to to hear that story man um before we go into this path of you going forward into your career in politics having gone through that experience and the relationship with your parents which you sort of gave us a hint into, um, how did they take you 
taking that detour, but yet getting back on a proper path into something like politics. And, and I ask that because politics for our parents, regardless of whether they're from Taiwan in your situation or Korea like mine, is a completely different conversation uh, because many, many Asian countries within our parents' lifetime have been through war, certainly in our grandparents' lifetimes of war and of fights over ideologies and wars over ideologies. So um, are, how, how do they view your engagement in politics today, Howard? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think they have any idea what I do <laughs> to this day. <laughs> they really don't seem to understand. I mean, I send my mom articles of things that I'm doing. And, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I, I think the beauty of, you know, public service and the beauty of this country is that our parents, our immigrant parents are learning as much as they can and growing as much as they can along with us. Like this is such a unique experience for all of us being Asian American. Um you know, being civically, my parents wanted me to be a doctor and lawyer, just like everybody else. Um, and ultimately, I think with the failures of my past, they thought, okay, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, I will say that because of my job now um, and the like, the career path I've taken and been blessed to have been able to take, uh, the relationship with my parents has actually blossomed and actually mm. improved um, because this is something that they're proud of and they talk to about, you know, their, my relatives their, their friends. Um, they never talk about my personal life, of course, but you know, the other side of things is they say, well, well, my son, you know, worked for Congresswoman Chu or, or my son works now for, um, the vice president and Senator Harris on this campaign. And, you know, e even with me being, um, you know, half of my deputy director, uh, experience as being the LGBT vote director as well, deputy director, it's, you know, they don't say that part. They, they say they'll pull title, but they say, you know, you know, my son is just very passionate about these communities and, you know, ultimately works with the pre vice president and the senator. So it, that's the way they, they craft it, right? which I get. Um, but I think ultimately they know um, it's about a higher purpose and about a call to your country. And, you know, the reasons why they came to America was so their son could have the American dream. And I, I'm living it. And ultimately... Right. This is, you know, hard work and like, this immigrant experience and story is similar to a lot of people. So, you know, in terms of your point about, you know, AOC and about um, it's about power with it's never about power above hmm. when people feel entitled to run or feel as if they want to run for whatever reasons you can you can tell right away right you can tell the real ones from the ones that actually want to give back to community and it's always about power right. with because a true leader is one that carries people with you. And, you know, and that's what I see in the members uh, and electeds that I've had the honor of working for. That's amazing, man. Um, thank you for doing what you do. I know, um, given all that's going on and um, how crazy things and how busy things might be uh, within the campaign. And, um, and, and before we go further, I, I do want to acknowledge you uh, Hannah and Amit and everybody else in the campaign who's been really amazing and um, just the amount of grassroots activism that we see um, just underneath your team and managing communications and coordinating events with what seems like 20 different sub-organizations um, which might seem to the outside eye isn't that a little bit overdone y'all are Asian American why do you need one for every country um, but it to me, it, it speaks to your extremely contextually important understanding of how non-monolithic we are 
and how we have to have a different messaging campaign for every single group of people because um, not just our own experiences, but our American experiences are so different and that a Korean American audience might resonate slightly differently than a Japanese American audience. Um, and, and to have a campaign, um, hopefully uh, an administration, but at least a campaign that gets it and invests the time and the energy and the resources into that. Um, and, and so uh, I, I thank you for, for doing that specific work now. And, and I do want to shout out the folks um, on the team that have been really, really stellar um, and uh, saying yes to this opportunity even though I know y'all got like 50 other things probably to do right now. Um, but, it, but I do um, wanted, wanted to point that out. Um, and, and so why, why did you say yes to that campaign? What, what about the scope of the impact and the work that you would do um, being a gay Asian man in San Diego? Um, like why, why from going from, I, I guess, what did you want to do when you re, sort of re- committed to school like what was the thing that you wanted to get quote-unquote right the second time and use school as a launching pad and, and how does jumping into that first congressional race tie into that mission yeah for sure i well firstly thanks for for all you do as well jerry i i i'm very blessed to work with a very uh, impactful and strong team on the biden campaign you know my director Ahmed and my director on the lgbt side reggie greer um, Hannah, Vaybob, like the, everybody on the team that I work with, um, you know, I, I'm just very blessed to, we're all, we're all in this because we know this is the save the soul of our nation. So there's a lot going on. And so uh, when this opportunity came, you know, I, Hannah said, you have to tell your story. People need to hear your story because, um, you know, you just never know who will resonate with it. And ultimately I fell into politics because I, I just fell into it. You know, I, I, and going back to my story in San Diego, I, I was just picked up by this campaign and, and worked on it. And in moving to San Diego, I just told myself that I had an opportunity to really change my life, to really focus on the right priorities, and to really just make something of myself. And so that's what I did. I just put my head down and worked really, really hard. Um, and, you know, in the first congressional campaign, it, it really showcased just the power of community the power of organizing and the power of people coming together for a singular cause because they know it's about all of us at the table. And, and I was watching this event recently with Chinese Americans for Biden that they had Phil Wang on and Hudson Yang, mm -hmm. um, where they use an analogy of boba. You know, we drink boba and in one milk tea cup, you represent one boba and you put the boba in the milk cup, milk tea, and you disappear, right? But if all of us as boba, Boba balls go into the milk tea cup, we overfloweth. So we're just that powerful if we all come together. <laughs> you know, or even in an event that I had with Margaret Cho when we launched the Queer API affinity group, which I'm very proud of, um, she talked about us being, you know, pieces of rice in the rice steamer. And that when we stick together in this rice steamer, that that's how powerful we are. So, you know, to your question, I'm going, going on a, a little bit of a tangent, but ultimately, and I, just to see the power of community and what that means to all of us and to be able to work for members that help uplift us. You know, the first member I worked for was uh, a white straight male. Um, mm -hmm. But he has been one, is one of the greatest mentors um, in my political career, uh, Scott Peters, because he understood the value of bringing all of us to the table 
um, and to make sure that we are doors open for us because of who we represented as well. And, you know, I, I think that grooming was very helpful because I worked in the district. Working in the district means you, know, you work with constituents, you kind of see from the ground floor the needs of people, you know, whether it's congressional casework, whether it's help with their federal um, services, Social Security. Um, and San Diego was a huge military town, and I had the honor of working on this defense portfolio. And that was something that was really important to me because my master's is actually in Homeland Security because I wanted to be in spaces where there were not a lot of Asian Americans and they had to deal with me in those rooms and understand that as we pivot toward China uh, and pivot toward the Asia Pacific, that the Asian American experience is just as valuable and that we deserve a seat at the table in crafting these national security policies or even discussions. Um, so that I give huge kudos to the bosses I've worked for. And of course, then, you know, um, I worked for Congresswoman Chu as well because I was able to land the Apex Fellowship. Um, mm -hmm. And the Apex Fellowship is, if people don't know, it's this wonderful fellowship that funnels Asian Americans from all across the country to work on Capitol Hill for Asian American members or members that are part of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. Mm -hmm. And so through that fellowship, I was able to work for Congresswoman Chu and for KPAC directly. And man, she is such an inspiration. She, her legacy, and just seeing how much, how hard she works and just how much our community means to her. I mean, I've seen her schedule in the past. Like it, it she schedules from early morning to early at night. And then she flies back every weekend from Washington DC to her district oh, wow. to then attend that. events either that night or that entire weekend. I mean, I fly from DC to California to see my parents and I'm tired already. So <laughs> for these members to fly back and forth and to still go to events at night, really showcases how much the community means to them and how much their constituencies mean to them. And so, you know, I, I, I just very, very blessed for all the members I've worked for because I, I've seen, you know, they're the real deal, you know, Peters, Chu, Cisneros, Biden, Harris, I, that just, I don't know. They're just such, I feel very honored. Not the San Diego district, or I guess I don't know enough about the uh, San Diego district that you represented, but the two other ones, um, in North Orange County and the San Gabriel Valley, um, those are uniquely American districts because they just have a ton of Asians. Right. Um, you know, in, in 39, there's, you know, a mix of Korean Americans heavily in Fullerton and Brea and you know, other parts. And obviously the 626 is, is predominantly Chinese and, and Taiwanese American. Um, what did you learn about our community and in, in terms of uh, our, our political activism participation? Um, we are seeing a huge wave this year of activism and um, a lot of us uh, trying to the best of our abilities, um, trying to get our parents and other people to to vote and, and, and vote the right way even, but um, it wasn't always like that. Um, what, what did you observe and, and what did you hope to see? And looking back at it now, after a number of years being in those actual on the ground roles, like what, what, what makes you hopeful or what can we do better? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I grew up in Walnut. Walnut is actually in the 39th, 39th Congressional District. And that's a district that was recently flipped by my former boss, Congressman Cisneros. Prior to that, that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's kudos to, you know, my former boss and, you know, his campaign team for sure. I mean, when it flipped blue, uh, it was very exciting because all my life living, growing up in Walnut, it was, it was led by a Republican congressman. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say apathy is 
the biggest concern that I see in terms of our community because it's they're thinking, why does this election matter to us? Right. This has nothing to do with us. It's, it's about us making sure our children have the right opportunities as Americans. Um, so none of this matters, right? But and that's and I wrong. think particularly to 39, because I grew up on the other side of the 39 down in Fullerton. Oh, and nice. Yeah. So we're... When, when, right, when Royce vacated his seat, he blessed his Korean American deputy basically to mm -hmm. take over. So at least within the Korean American church going community in uh, North Orange County, it was, oh, this is great. Now we have a guy that had always the position with somebody who he's blessed and, and she's of us, right? right. And, and so um, for, for me, that just causes a lot of strife and confusion because it boggles my mind that somebody who is from a similar experience um, does not understand the true needs at least the way I see it. And again, right. some of you might be listening and saying, I, I'm not listening to your show, Jerry, for political whatever, but hell, if you're not picking a side in 2020, then um, I don't think you'll ever pick a side. Um, and, and so I, I am unabashedly and unapologetically going to share with you what my feelings are. And um, I hope even if you don't agree with me that you at least hear us out. Um, and, and so that I think was fascinating in 2016 because we it was not even anti or reverse um, identity politics it was you actually have to vote for the people that have your best interest regardless of their community background because somebody who had no idea would have saw a kim on that ballot and go okay cool at least we got one of us right and that's where i feel like you know whether it's uh bobby jindal or you know uh, elaine chow like the way we look doesn't tell the whole story of what we represent and so jerry that's what that's they're banking cool. on yeah that's exactly yeah. what they're banking on, right? They're banking on their last names and surnames being the only connection point to our community, right. which is wrong. Because if we think about it, climate change, <laughs> Affordable Care Act, LGBT rights, our immigrant rights, yeah. DACA, all that stuff. I mean, it, it, in working for non-API electeds as well, it's, it's about what they believe and how they can best serve our community because they're the ones that have the access to power and they're the ones that are able to bring us to those seats uh, and making sure the changes happen that really best represent our communities uh, in the best way. Um, just because, um, you know, I, I've heard that feedback before too about, you know, my parents, uh, I won't say names, but there's assembly member who is a Republican running in our, in our district. And my mom was like, well, but he's Taiwanese American and this. And I said, but mom, that's not that just because he's Taiwanese American does not mean that he represents the values that will really help our family and help what you believe in. Um, so, so yeah. It, I think it introduces um, so much complexity um, that is representative of our multitudes of identities and the way we feel when uh, it's hard enough as it is to fight collectively as Asian Americans to, for the things that benefit us. Um, but when it seemingly seems so that, uh, and again, this is why being an Asian American is so complex, right? Um, um, as I'm sure you know better than I do, there's uh, a Vietnamese American community is always the one that's brought up, but they're staunchly Republican, older Vietnamese American folks. Um, and, it's hard. It's it's hard because we feel like we're make, we've made so much progress collectively trying to go one way. And now not only is that happening, but 
images and videos of things like that are being weaponized to say, hey, like, why aren't you falling in line with your elders? Or maybe they know what's going on or, you know, they get um, placed in advertisements to confuse even more and, and this and, and misinformation even more. So um, and, and I guess throughout your career, you know, you don't have to, um, uh, you know, there's that saying, like, not all skin folk is kin folk, which I think is really funny right. of way of saying it. But, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Congressman Peters is a straight white dude. And so is Joe Biden. Right. But that doesn't discount them from caring about us. It's their character and what they stand for and what they voted on and what they've actually done. Um, because I, I think, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll vote for anybody that protects me and every human being. Um, and if it happens to be somebody that looks like me and you, Howard, like extra bonus. But, you know, I, I think it's the character that counts. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't agree with Trojan horses. <laughs> I'll just say that for <laughs> one. I think there is a lot of Trojan horses out there and they, they're banking on that. And that's not what, you know, I agree with. That's not what um, I know our community and the progressive community agrees with for sure. Um, you know, in terms of working for straight males, you know, Cisneros is straight male and he represents the uh, purple district of the 39th. But his values and just how he cares about the API community, it's reflected in the work that he does and the bills that he sponsors. And it's the same for you know, the vice president. And he, he chose Kamala Harris as his right. running mate, right? And she is gonna, she's the half black, half Indian American, and she's part of our API community. And we're just so right. proud of her nomination. And, you know, that that's, that's part of what this is all about. It's about making sure that the right people are brought to the table the right leaders are making the decisions that are right for us and you know when she the senator was announced um the dnc um her her speech um honestly brought me to tears to the point where i texted my mom and i texted her saying mom i just want to thank you so much for the sacrifice you've made and just um you know you're so, it, thank you basically because i know how much sacrifice she gave to me and I, that was kind of a, a closing statement or closure for me in terms of wow. her feeling that way and she was like that's unexpected thank you but now it's about moving forward and making sure that our country is saved <laughs> saved because this yeah. is an election that is so consequential to all of us and you know we can't we can't we can't have another four years of this because rise in hate crimes is happening um you know, the, the COVID is not under control because the current administration does not listen to scientists. I mean, this is this is getting ridiculous where people's right. lives are at risk and are dying. It's enough. And, and to give extra context, um, today, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed uh, by the entire Senate to to have a seat on the Supreme Court for the rest of her life. And likely my life and your life. Um, elections matter. Um, you know, the American government system is not perfect. Um, we weren't around 250 years ago. People act like we've been around for 250 centuries and this system has been perfected. It has not. Um, but what it does allow for is for us to inject our thoughts and our care and our opinions and into the process. Um, Howard, talk to me about your decision to uh, jump into the Biden campaign. Um, were you always on board during the primaries? Um, how, how did this all come into you taking this very, very important and critical role 
in representing not just the Asian American community, but also the LGBTQ community, and 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 to you know make sure that, um, as you mentioned before, that the people whose lives are impacted by the policies are in the rooms in which decisions are made. Yeah, definitely. I've always been really impressed by the vice president's empathy. Um, you know, the people that know his story know that he has suffered a lot of tremendous loss in his life, right? From his first wife and daughter to his son. And, you know, I think about my mom freaks out if I don't text her back within like a couple hours. So I think about, imagine if losing a child, how much pain and anxiety that would be, right? Um, so that type of empathy is something that I've always resonated with. Um, in terms of how I hopped on this campaign, uh, I mean, pre previous to this role, I was, I was a policy advisor for Congressman Cisneros on, on Capitol Hill. And uh, my former chief of staff from Congresswoman Chu's office reached out and said, hey, look, uh, the campaign's looking to bring on a deputy to help out with API and LGBT and LGBTQ+, and they want someone who represents those two communities. Um, you should really consider throwing your name in the hat. And I thought, there's no way, <laughs> like, you know, as, I, you know, I've always had imposter syndrome as I'm sure a lot of people do. I think this is a standard, you know, burden that we carry as immigrants and people of color. Um, I thought there's no way I, I don't think I would qualify for this role, but sure. Um, I, you know, I, I'm going to go for it. And my mentor is like, um, you know, um, the executive director for KPAC Crystal was that said, yes, you should definitely go for this. A lot of my other mentors said you should try for it. So I put my name in and I never thought that, you know, me struggling being gay and struggling with, you know, Asian Americans, you don't think you're Asian enough, American enough, gay enough or straight enough. You just don't think, you know, where do you fit in, right? And so to have a campaign, um, basically look for somebody who understands these two communities and the fact that I represented both communities and at the same time and juncture, I thought, you know, this is, this is, um, uh, this is service calling. I, I need to, you know, I need to really go for this and, you know, pay tribute and, um, you know, do what I can to help, help this election. So that's what happened. And I've just been very blessed to be able to learn and grow in this role and to do the work that I do. And then what is your day to day like on the campaign? What are you focused on? Again, campaigning in 2020 means we can't hold town halls, we can't door knock, we shouldn't, you know, um, the, the, the physical realm of campaigning and community organizing is out the door everything is generally virtual uh digital um how are you getting in touch with our communities what are you hearing and um, what are some of the things that you've learned yeah definitely i would say this campaign we have a lot of wins a lot of historic wins um, i'm sure you may have heard but this campaign we've invested historically in a seven-figure investment in paid api media mm -hmm. Um, reaching out to 16 uh, battleground or 16 states in our nation where it's where our paid media is being played. Um, their investments in terms of like API staff on our campaign, that's been really historic. I think we have over 12 at least. Um, we are able to launch at least uh, over 14 API affinity groups um, that range from Korean Americans, Thai Americans, Taiwanese Americans, Chinese Americans, South Asians, but even down to um, and I'm very proud to be able to launch uh, queer APIs as well, mm. um, and even API staffers. You know, those are ways that serve as our liaison to different communities because we really want to find stakeholders and leaders that understand 
and are able to bring information back to us so we can best help serve them. Um, and we're also can we campaigning in 19 APA languages. Uh, we have historic pay translation services. We're phone banking, text banking all the time. Um, and, the, and you know, we're doing our best to hold unique events as well. And I can talk about that in the uh, Alfred Biden side. I mean, just recently on Sunday, we just hosted a Vote for Your Life event with Ross Matthews and uh, different drag queens um, that showcased basically um, the uniqueness of what this role is and what this campaign is virtually and to bring unique programming in so people understand that you know politics is not about it's not some far-fetched idea it's not this uh concept that people can't be a part of um that you know we're bringing new audiences to to tell them the importance of voting and you know with eight days left we're really focused on get out the vote focused on early voting uh focused on making sure people have voter education um you know so we direct them to iwillvote.com uh, we um you know for those interested please uh, text A3 API to 30330 or text LGBTQ to 30330. Those are ways to get involved and tap into our campaign. And, um, you know, ultimately, this is about making everything accessible to everybody that we're here. What about your personal why? Um, you've done a whole lot in the campaign world. Um, again, I'm not belittling what you're doing now. There's probably no other thing that you'd rather be doing than to be fighting for the campaign that. Um, we hope and, and that we both believe personally um, that we'll be victorious here in eight days and um, go, go on to make life um, better at the same time, less crappy um, for hundreds of millions of people. Um, but what spoke to you? And you mentioned um, Vice President Biden's character before. Um, but for, for a person that could have stayed in his role and made impact elsewhere, um, campaigns are, um, from what I understand, wildly rigorous, um, energy sucking, not the most lucrative jobs you can find. Um, why, why are you spending and why are you putting your neck and name on, on this particular effort? Because this is about all of us going back to the country that we remember. Um, you know, this is about making sure that you know, the American dream and the values and respect that our country once held um, as a beacon for light, a beacon for immigrants and beacon for democracy all throughout our world is 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 back to what we remember America used to be. I, you said it exactly in the nose. This campaigning is tough. <laughs> the hours are rigorous. Um, the hours are long. Uh, the demands are tough. Um, you know, being deputy on both sides, it's Oftentimes, it's a flood on both sides in terms of the demands and requests. Um, but then I think about the principles, right? I think about why the vice president decided to run, right? Why the senator decided to step up as the vice president's running mate. I mean, these are, it's being called to service because it's about something larger than us. It's about all of us playing a role in our country and our democracy um, and knowing that this is about, you know, us assembling and you know, for the API portfolio, we talk about, you know, APIs assemble because it's about the end game, right? It's about all of us <laughs> as heroes um, coming together and really fighting for our country again. And we do this by voting. We do this by coming together and, you know, superheroes wear masks. The new superhero mask is the face mask. So put on your face mask, 
take your mom, take your dad, take your parents, take your exes, take everybody that matters to you. Um, and please turn out the vote because ultimately, you know, like, like that milk tea boba analogy, you know, we ultimately <laughs> are made better because we're all boba balls in this milk tea. And, and so I want to ask you this question. We, we talked about our parents and um, just sort of the complexity of our community in general. Um, you know, we, we both believe voting is important. We've been telling everybody to vote, vote, vote. Um, obviously, we would prefer if you voted for Vice President Biden and the rest of the other people that um, we think are better for society. Um, where, where do you, how, how do you deal and, and give us some professional expertise here in having the vote, vote, vote conversation? Um, and yet it's hard to either convince or have reasonable conversations with people, um, who you don't agree with, um, with privilege, I say ideologically, um, and, but when in reality, um, people who are actually voting against their own interest, um, we can't say like, everybody go vote except you people. Um, cause that's also voter suppression and we don't believe in that either. But like, how, how do we reckon with that? Um, Many of us are, are struggling with, you know, having conversations with our parents, um, grandparents, even either apathy or misinformation, or um, they just vote that their uh, religious organization or community leader tells them to. Um, like, how, how do you how do you have that conversation with somebody in our generation or in our community about just not getting um, really disappointed or discouraged from people in our community? that don't agree with you. Yeah. I, I mean, this is what America is all about, right? It's about discourse, about discussion, about all us coming together, despite the fact that we don't agree with each other at times. Um, you know, and the vice president has said, and this is exactly what presidents have been and should be, is that he's running to be president for all Americans, whether or not they agree with him or not. And part of the beauty of this American experience is that we all come from different cultures and backgrounds and, and opinions, but ultimately um, it's about hearing each other out and finding, um, you know, civil discourse um, and civility back in our country. Um, so I would say for those that don't agree with you, um, you know, that's okay. I think as long as you are able to have a decent conversation with them to showcase and really really convey why you believe the things you believe and listen to why they believe the things they believe. Um, you know, in terms of this campaign, our goal is just to educate people, educate the American public about, you know, the, the, the policies and stances that Biden and Harris believe in stand with um, and the country that they are ultimately going to create and run for all of us. And, you know, hopefully the ones that hear that will agree um, or they'll find nuggets of wisdom in that. But, and if they don't, they're, we're all American citizens and, you know, this will be a future administration for all of us. And there's a lot of people out there um, within and outside the campaign that are creating a lot of amazing resources, um, particularly in language resources um, to help you have those difficult conversations. If you have a language challenge with your parents or otherwise, um, there's, you know, we, we did a, a series of letter readings um, when the Letters for Black Lives thing happened and um, just amazing volunteers that translated the letters. And um, we were able to find people globally that would read translated versions of these letters in Asian languages. And um, that hit a chord, right? Because it's hard for our parents and other folks in their generation to 
understands such a complex social issue in a language is not their own, and, and to put it contextually into historical events or ideas that are familiar to them, I think is important. And so, I think we have to do that again uh, with the elections, um, as as you alluded to, and as it was the way that I was brought up. Um, you know, uh, LGBTQ rights is not a conversation that many of us had growing up at our dinner table. We did not see it. We did not admit to its existence and it didn't exist back home for many, many of us. But now we have to fight for it, right? Um, now we have to fight for all of our rights, for healthcare rights, for, um, you know, refugees and uh, undocumented people. And, and so I, I think, again, extremely complex things to even talk about in English that is comfortable to us. And sometimes we have a hard time coming up with words to explain why we feel so passionately in a language that we're so comfortable with. Um, but it is so important. Um, you, you mentioned that there's been a record number or a really, really amazing number of uh, Asian Americans within the campaign, um, not just within this sort of, you know, um, typecasted, you go help with the AAPI stuff, but just across the board. Um, how is that? Is, is there a camaraderie there amongst the crew of 12 and beyond that really makes it feel like this is a campaign for everybody? Um, and I know that the fraternity um, of congressional uh, folks and people who work in politics is very tight knit circle. Um, but what about that? community really inspires you to go to work every day and um, believe that we can uh, really make a difference even though we're not household names that we're not the actual candidates or elected um, with the name recognition so the department i'm part of is called the coalitions department and that's the one where it's uh, you know we have afam we have latino we have faith we have arab we have women we have lgbt we have api we have Everything you name of we have every community represented, and um, we have daily huddles every morning. We do, um, you know, I, I just I work with such amazing people. We, I work with the director Ashley Allison. I work with Jason Rodriguez, Jason Tanko, Sharice Perry. These are people that um, really make sure that we are a coming together as community. So um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, we. They find unique ways that we come together on Zoom. And granted, Zoom, people get burnt out. But, you know, even when um, Ruth Gator Ginsburg, she passed, um, God rest her soul, and she, we had a huddle together and everybody just shared their experiences together. And there were tears. Like, there were tears of people that I've never met. And I was like really surprised to see how vulnerable they were because, um, you know, we're really building a family here and a team. And, you know, I, um, I just very, very, very blessed to work with the people I work with. Um, and if you ask me how we build camaraderie amongst um, the API staffers, uh, we have API staffer huddles too on Zoom. Um, you know, we, we do um, yeah, uh, like icebreakers, we go around and we just find ways to bring some levity um, and to find some connection um, as human beings and as Asian Americans um, across departments because there are Asian Americans, powerful Asian Americans in different departments um, that aren't necessarily working specifically on API issues. But because they are Asian American, the cultural lens they have and perspective, that lends itself into the work they do. And, you know, it just ultimately makes us all better and makes um, our campaign better. And, you know, this is what the future administration really focuses on, right? Bringing our unique experiences 
to the table because that will shape our country, shape policy, and shape how our, we should best live our lives. You've had a very amazing career working alongside Asian Americans um, in congressional staffing teams and on campaigns of people who look like me and you, as we mentioned, um, but also people who don't look like me and you. Um, fair to say that working in politics is something that many of our Asian American parents and even my peers now, my fellow parents, don't necessarily um, encourage our, our, our kids to do. Um, and if so, it's really running for the position and, and not too many in the staffing positions, but we know that it's in the staffing roles and it's in those uh, communities that support the candidates that actually were a lot of the great work and a lot of the, the building happens. Um, why speak, speak to some of the younger folks that might be listening. Um, what's been so rewarding about your career thus far? And it's not anywhere close to being over Howard, but um, why should somebody who might be looking to make an important impact on the world and in their lives um, consider a career as you did in, in civil work, uh, particularly in campaigns and, uh, congressional offices your voice matters your experience matters you as a minority in this country you as an, as an asian american the experiences that you bring um how you've navigated through the world to where you are today that is so valuable um <laughs> that's so valuable to a member of congress especially if you come from that district because you know what it's like to live um you know, in your shoes, and you know what is needed for your family and for your community. And that is something that, um, you know, you can't, they can't teach you in school, right? It's about, um, you know, your day to day, and the impacts on, on what public service will mean to you. So if you are interested, you know, please, there's so many of us out here that are so willing to help. And, you know, I got to where I am today, because of the people that have helped me, it's about, it's about paying back and paying forward. And even in, in, in Congress, there's initiatives like the House Diversity Initiative. There's the Senate Diversity Initiative. There's, um, you know, API staff associations. There's um, the Tri-Caucus Staff Associations. There's the LGBT one, too. It's, our goal is to make sure the pipeline is strong because the only way our country will continue to get better is if we continue to build the pipeline and we continue to funnel talent and build talent and give back. It's power with. It's always power with. That's the only way a country is going to continue to grow. Um, so please reach out, or uh, you know, I am here to help anybody. Thanks, man. I, you, you mentioned an extremely good point. Who, who's been somebody that you want to um, shout out that have been? I guess you don't have to pick just one. You don't have to pick a favorite. But, <laughs> sure. um, who, who's been who's been a great mentor and a big older brother and a sister in, in your in your evolution and continued progress as in your career? I have been very blessed with um, a slew of mentors that I worry if I'd name all of them, I worry <laughs> I might leave somebody off, but I would say the members of Congress I've worked for, for sure, you know, Scott Peters, Congresswoman Judy Chu, Congressman Gil Cisneros, um, you know, my leadership team on the campaign, but all my chiefs of staff and legislative directors and my team that I've had to work, the honor of working with and all the community leaders, um, you know, that I'm, I, I, I can start listing names, but I worry that I will start offending people, <laughs> but like Crystal Kai, Christine Chen, Linda Shim, um, you know, even my, my non-APIs, like 
mentors, um, Will, there's just a lot of people that have really uplifted me. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed to be part of New Leaders Council. New Leaders Council is this grooming and training um, progressive movement and um, organization. And, you know, NLC has really groomed me. Truman National Security Project has really groomed me. Um, you know, I, I owe a lot of credence and a lot back to those that believed in me and will continue to uplift me and as I will uplift everybody around me as well. Um, but ultimately, my parents, I know this is really cliche, but <laughs> I, my mom has never given up on me and she's always been um, such a light of um, unconditional love. Even when I'm sure I made it difficult for her when I was struggling with coming out and being gay, um, you know, she never gave up on me and she always believed in the best in me and the best version of me. And that version um, is the version that I always want to become. And even my dad, you know, my dad, you know, his immigrant parents, they don't really show their love. They don't emote it, but they show it in other ways, right? And cooking and, you know, you know, little things here and there. And um, I, for them to be as strong as they have been, as I struggled the way I've struggled, um, is something that I will never forget. And I will always find a way to make sure they're proud of me and to make sure my family's proud of me. And, um, you know, I, I think there's always a crux on my shoulder because of my past, but ultimately that crux has made, has fueled me and motivated me because, um, I'm just trying to make change in the world. So. And I hope you continue to do that, Howard. Um, I, it's frustrating at times and, and it must be even more frustrating having a front row seat to the political realm. Um, when, change isn't happening quick enough or um, people are, are um, using tricks and uh, you know using technicalities to really hurt people um, as we've seen even even today um, but we have to believe in that American promise that we can collectively make this a place that's better for everybody um, and whether uh, you were born here or not, and neither of us were born here, but we call this home, and we have to fight for this home for all of our future generations, um, and, and for all Americans, not just from where they were born, but um, just who they are as, as fundamental human beings. Um, and so it's a fight that is hard and long, um, to put it, I guess, very simply, like this fight for equality, I hope we work ourselves out of a job um, because when everybody is equal, you don't have to fight for it anymore. Um, un unfortunately, we know that's not going to be the case and um, the, 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 the fight is challenging today and it will continue to go on, but it is really, really awesome um, and inspirational for me as somebody who's never worked a day in his life in the game of politics, I've just observed. Um, to see people like you be your whole authentic self um, working on the front lines to create change in the most drastic way and to hear from you and other people who are in the game that there's this amazing army, as you mentioned, and use the example of the Avengers who are um, not capable when you're alone to win, but only and if and only we get together and, and use our strengths where we need them and have others step up 
when we're not as strong, um, that's the only way we're going to move forward. That's the only way we can defeat uh, racism and sexism and all the other things that, uh, frankly, we've seen way too much of in the last three and a half years. Um, and so, yeah, um, I don't think we need to say it again. If you're listening, um, go vote. Um, if you voted already, thank you. Now go tell somebody else to vote. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. as uh, A lot of our friends are obviously very active on social media with a lot of what seems to be preaching to the choir. And, you know, from time to time, I'll see a comment that's underneath a, a very impassioned post and goes, who are you trying to convince at this point? Aren't all of your friends pretty much on the same side? And sometimes I wonder too, right? Like why why are, you know, uh, Vice President Biden and the other folks like still hitting the campaign trail and, you know, um, like whose mind isn't made up at this point, right? And it just, for, for us, because we feel so strongly being on one side, we don't feel that. Uh, but we have to empathize also with the people in the middle, the people who've been so disenfranchised by the system that they haven't voted yet and don't actually know if they're going to vote as easy as it is, at least in California, um, as, as important as it seems. So the work goes through election day and beyond. Um, what are you most excited for? Obviously you can't say the outcome of the election. What are you most excited for as we hit the final stretch here, Howard? And, and, um, you know, we're, we're just about a week away from, uh, hopefully knowing, um, who's going to carry this country forward? I'm excited for um, the country that I know we are to to show up. That's what I'm very excited for. I, I, I am so excited because I know the campaign, the program we built, the work we're doing is making an impact. Um, you know, the irony is I was talking to Reggie, the, the LGBT vote director, because, um, you know, we launched queer coalitions were to reach out to, um, you know, groups that have been marginalized in the trans community, the Arab community, the faith community in terms of the, the queer vote. Um, and the impact, we don't see the impact just yet. I mean, we held this Arab, this LGBT Arab event, first of its kind. And wow. people on people in that, uh, in that event, they were tearing up saying like, this is the first time it's ever happened on a presidential campaign. And we've done the same for queer APIs. We've done the same for a lot of these coalitions that we're building because it we're building the most inclusive campaign ever. And we're setting the marker of what campaigns, presidential campaigns should be like and will be like because, you know, intersectionality in our communities, we matter. And so that's what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud of the work we're doing. I'm most proud of the country that I know we are coming together coming to assemble for this end game um, because uh, I have faith. I have faith that, you know, we're going to rebuild this country and, and save the soul of our nation. So that's beautiful. And I thank you. Um, I, I, I want to say, I know we will, um, but we all know better than to trust uh, polls. So I'm going to say, I hope we will. And, and with that hope and with that faith, we back it up with votes. We back it up with activism. We book it. We back it up with just a tremendous amount of work to help us get there. And as we all know, the work doesn't stop next Tuesday. The work only begins um, because we have to continue uh, pushing for progress. And um, 
vote out the people who are making this country a miserable place and continue to vote in people who have all of our interests um, at heart. Um, I want to thank you again for making time and, and sharing your story. Um, I think I, I can tell in the way that you've shared your story with us and just your energy and your passion for what you're doing. It really feels like you feel just okay and just perfect being authentically you in this role. Um, and that's not something that many Americans uh, or anybody can say that their workplace welcomes them with open arms, their workplace sought out somebody that is holy and authentically who they are because that's important to them and that's the right thing to do. Um, so would love for you to help us finish out the show um, and share a message with our audience, the Asian American community, with anything that you might want to share. Um, perhaps it's a message to a younger version of Howard, regardless of what stage you may have been, or it's to some of our peers who might be losing faith in the system or somebody who, for whom the system never worked. Um, but anything that comes to mind and to your heart that you want to share with the Asian American community, Howard, if you could please help us close out the show and complete the letter, dear Asian Americans. Thank you, Jerry. I will say, um, in closing out this dear Asian Americans, we, as Asian Americans, we oftentimes, maybe we think about, you know, our own experience and we don't think about, um, you know, other communities. And, you know, I, I do want to just make a flag that there is anti-Blackness in our communities and that's something that we need to address. Um, and like this campaign and, you know, George Floyd and everything that's happened, especially with the Black Lives Movement, like this is something that us as Asian Americans need to be called in supporting and understanding. Um, and, you know, in the work that I'm doing and just um, bringing light and visibility to the Black trans uh, women that are being murdered at a constant rate. I mean, you would think that initially Asian Americans, well, how does that affect us? But it does because this is what this campaign is all about is we're all in this together. When one of us hurt, one of us are attacked. Um, you know, that's, that's all of us being attacked. Um, so that's, that's just me pontificating of course, but if, if closing out this letter, if I'm asking myself, um, the younger version of Howard, I would say, um, for those that are struggling to find yourself and those that may think that things are tough, just know that the road is long. Um, the, the obstacle is the way and that you will find yourself um, just believe in yourself. And even if you don't just know that your loved ones do and one day that you, you will, and you'll get there. I promise you, you'll get there. And there's people that will help you um, including myself, including Jerry, because we're on the, in this together um, in this wonderful experience called, you know, America. Thank you. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, it was an important conversation to have, um, not just now because the election's a little while away, but um, it's never a bad day to share our stories and it's never a bad day to hopefully inspire somebody listening to say that regardless of um, where they are, uh, professionally, academically, that it's not over um, and that we, in fact, all of us, 
have chapters on chapters of unwritten stories in our own lives that we can continue to create for ourselves. Um, and that even though you right now may feel like your world, and whether that means family or friends or your community, is not welcoming of who you are fundamentally as a human being and however you define your identity, that there exists a place where you can feel home, there exists a place where people will love you, and there exists a place that just you can be you. And if that doesn't exist, create it. Ask for help. Um, a lot of the world's best things are created just because people needed something, looked around, didn't see it, and they said, why the hell not me? Um, that's why we started this podcast. That's why so many other projects are being started right now. For all um, 2020 has brought us, it's been an amazing year for Asian empowerment, um, not just in entertainment, but just across the board, especially in storytelling. So if you're hearing the sound of our voice, um, you are not alone. And please do reach out to me personally and to Howard if you want to talk because um, you're not alone. And there are far more people who understand what you're going through and who will help you uh, with whatever you need. Um, Howard, best of luck to you and the team in the next uh, eight days. Um, what are your election day plans? Because in a, in a normal year, you, you hang out together, right? Um, but we're not going to see that. To be honest with you, I'm not quite sure what that looks like just yet. I guess it matters. Depends on whether we win or not, right? Whether it's, um, I think that will really determine. But um, you know, it definitely will be you're, me. You're not, you're not going to Delaware, right? Like that would have, might have been like the, the play in a normal setting. Right, right. I, it's probably going to be a mass Zoom call. Um, you know, like I said earlier <laughs> about us coming together, um, sharing our stories about you know one way or the other. Um, I, I guess before we close, I, I also want to just thank Hannah Kim for really pushing me to <laughs> to do this <laughs> because she's like, you have to tell your story. And I said, you know, I, I don't think people want to hear my story. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm nervous. This is my first podcast. So Jerry, this has been great. Thank you for what you're doing for community, um, you know, to uplift our, our stories and our voices, you know, can't thank you enough. So you're really making a mark and impact. I'm sure you'll feel you know, so thank you. Um, and, and thanks, Hannah. I had no idea that was happening while we were uh, ex ex that was happening behind the scenes as we were exchanging uh, emails back and forth. Um, and you, you have already, Howard, uh, with me, made an impact by sharing your story because um, it's important. Um, and it's so important for us as Asian Americans to hear all the different Asian American stories because. I am one version of it. I am a straight, cis male, Korean dude who's married with two kids that wasn't born here. I don't represent all of us, um, but it's then not my, you know, therefore it makes it my job to try to learn as, as much as I can, right? Um, and, and, and sitting in this chair and hosting this show, I've, I've gotten to know so many amazing people. Um, you know, I, I was... Um, negligent and unaware of like I had never met somebody who was an actual refugee from Vietnam until I started doing this show um, and, and so many other stories where you just like you know I, I thought I was pretty well versed and I thought I had a pretty decent diverse group of friends um, and, and when people try to pin us against each other and we have to fight for all of 
not just Asian America, but all of us, um, it's important to hear everybody's stories. And it's really, really nice. Um, and nice, I guess, is, is not the most appropriate word, but it is so inspiring and so awesome in, in all the senses of the word uh, to see people like me and you, Howard, um, working alongside people who can actually make a difference in our lives. And um, so I know that you've, you've made your parents proud. You've made your community proud. Um, I'm proud of you. And so many more people will be proud of you um, going forward. So um, thank God you took that bartending job, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, thank, thank God for a lot of my experiences. Um, I feel very blessed in hindsight. So. so if you're bartending out there, well, actually, you shouldn't be bartending right now. Um, if you were a bartender <laughs> and, and you're sitting at home or whatever you might be doing, um, you can go on to change the world one day just like Howard is doing. So, Howard, thank you. Get some rest. Long days ahead. Um, and again, I thank you for what you're doing and really blessed to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to thank Howard again, Hannah, Amit, uh, Baibov, and everybody else on the campaign team who's been so gracious and so amazing and so hardworking uh, to engage our community, to get the word out there about voting, about the issues that will impact all of us and our future generations to come. Again, if you found this interview insightful and fun, I encourage you to share it out with a friend or 10. Tag us if you're doing so, so we can keep uh, getting the message out there even more. With just seven days to go, please, please, please make sure that you voted. And as always, if you want to engage with us, shoot me a note through our Instagram, DM box at the Asian Americans, or shoot me an email, hello at theasianamericans.com. So excited that you're on this journey with me, and I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. I really hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Howard today and looking forward to uh, so many more great conversations with friends from the community. Wherever you are, whenever you may be listening to this, wish you all the health, safety, and happiness. And I'll see you next Tuesday on Election Day. And until then, please be safe and please be healthy and happy. This has been your host, Jerry Wan, signing off on The Urgent Americans. See you next time.